This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Lender.com, Cards Against Humanity, and Campaign Monitor. Just before we jump into the show today, there's an interesting game you can play. Partway through the production of this episode, I caught a pretty terrible cold, so there are some points where I sound normal and some points where I sound all blocked up, so you can look out for those. I hope you enjoy that. Last time on Inquisitive, we spoke about the very first thing you need when developing an app. The idea. We took a look at how different people begin the process of development and saw how their projects started to take shape. On this week's episode, I want to take a look at how an app finds its identity. There are many developers that take great time in crafting their apps, giving them a personality. This can come from the decisions that they make with how the apps function, to even the little design flourishes that are added just to make you smile and to give that app that special something. But today, I want to spend time looking at where the names and icons come from. These are the things that show up in marketing materials, on home screens of devices, and in the App Store. They are the brand of the app. They are its face, and ultimately, its identity to the world. I find it really interesting how different people prioritise what they need to be able to push forward the development projects. Some people can work from just an idea, but others need to name their project first. Some people need an icon, some a visual layout. It differs from person to person, but for each developer, these decisions and the order that they go in are intrinsically important to their own process. Giving something a name is a huge step. If you imagine naming a pet or a child, this is something you have to very carefully consider and take time to think over. You are creating a lifetime's worth of first impressions, identity, and even a personality from the moment that you name something. The name that you give an app is one of the very first things people will see or hear about. It is the beginning of your app's identity. When I personally create new projects of my own, giving them a name is one of the very first things that I do. For me, it helps set the tone of what I'm attempting to create and makes it start to feel like a real thing. It creates the beginnings of that personality. The name is the embodiment of what I want the project to be. I might have an idea for something, maybe a new show or project that I start to build out. I outline what I want the new project to be and what I want it to represent. But before I start any production or any real work other than just that original idea, I start thinking about some ideas for names. By this point, I know how I want it to feel, and this helps inform my decisions. I may share at this stage with people that I trust to get their input and suggestions, and I start recording ideas and writing them down. I check to see if any domains that I need are available, because that can really help sort of firm up what you're going to be able to call your project, and then I start moving forward. Once I decide on a name that feels just right, maybe after sleeping on it for a day or two once I've found the candidate, I can really start to push forward and make the thing. For example, I had a list of potential names for this series. I'll list some of them to you now. The State of App Development in 2015 was one. The Story Behind Making Apps. The App Store Revolution. The Evolution of the App Store. And of course, the one that I settled on, Behind the App. There are many reasons that people don't consider naming projects until they're done. Maybe they don't feel that it's the most important thing for them, or it's a process that they simply do not enjoy. Like, if you care about the actual coding most, like, if that's the thing that you really enjoy and want to get to, like, more than anything else, then working for days to try and come up with a name will just be holding you back. 
For example, David Smith puts an awful amount of care into his apps, but the naming process is a very different thing for him. He takes a more straightforward route, without slowing development down to ponder something flashy. David still pays an incredible amount of attention to the names that he chooses, but he takes a different approach than to what I do or what some others do. Many people are trying to build brands of the names that they choose for their apps, but David sees it differently. He sees his apps as just apps. Uh, I tend to... Always, I always have a working title for something um, whenever I'm working on it. Uh, that working title doesn't re- isn't really important to me in terms of I'm not one of these people who has to have like an amazing name for something before I can start building it. Um, often the name is something very just pragmatic and obvious. It's just describing what it is I'm doing in as concise a version as I can. And sometimes that'll actually end up being the the name of the app, the name of the app in the store. Sometimes it won't, uh, but I don't worry too much about the name. I find that, like I said, I just want to build it, and so I just I'll try and put something together as much as I can, and worrying about the branding and the naming and all the other aspects of it later on in the process. Um, and some of my best names, are, in a funny way, have come from not worrying about that too much. Like my most successful app of all, like of all in the last six years of everything I've ever built. The name of the app is audiobooks, and that's what it does. It's it's an audiobooks app, and but that clearly was not a name that was hard to come up with or clever in any way. I just described exactly what the app does, um, and that's worked out pretty well. I mean, similarly, one of my other bigger apps is called My Recipe Book, and it's a recipe book. And really, all I did is add the my at the beginning to make it feel a bit more personal, but otherwise, that's all it is. And so I don't tend to put too much worry into the name of the thing. I worry more about the building of the thing, which is probably indicative of the fact that you know, I'm a software engineer and not a marketer. After talking about this with David, I thought I would look up some of his other apps on the App Store to try and check the pattern that he has established. So, for example, among the many hundreds and hundreds of apps that David has on the App Store, he has Audiobooks, Pedometer Plus Plus, My Recipe Book, Check the Weather, Emoji Plus Plus, and Plain Wallpapers, for example. What I really like about David's approach is that he has established his own pattern and his own style. He just creates straightforward app names, and when you look at them, you know exactly what you're going to get. When we come back after this break, we're going to take a look at some of the other lengths that some developers go to when it comes to naming their applications. But first, let me take a moment to thank one of our sponsors this week, and that is lynda.com, the online learning platform of over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash inquisitive. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash inquisitive. Lynda.com is for problem solvers, for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. Whilst browsing around lynda.com, I have come across some incredible courses. Like, for example, maybe you want to learn a little bit about typography or the foundations of color as you're really interested in design. 
Maybe you want to get up and running with IFTTT and see how you can use automation to make your technology life that little more interesting. These are some of the incredible courses that you're able to get a handle on at lynda.com. These are all taught by experts who are really passionate about teaching. You can stream these courses and thousands more on demand, allowing you to learn at your own schedule and at your own pace. You can even watch them on your Android or iOS device on the go too. You can create and save playlists that you're able to share with others and you're able to follow along with each video with their great transcripts. Your Lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I want you to visit Lynda.com inquisitive to sign up for your free 10-day trial. Thank you so much to Lynda.com for supporting this show and all of RelayFM. Both Russell Ivanovich of Shifty Jelly and Padragon Oshin of Supertop, they both work in teams with their applications, and when they're developing, they try and work on this stuff together. But all of these individuals are perfectly happy with working on projects without final names set in stone, just with code names. <laughs> we, we give it a code name very early on, um, but we don't tend to come up with final names until you know somewhere near the end. And we've been known to, to change that as well. Like Pocket Cast, for example was I believe called Podcast Central originally. And, you know, the executable was called that um, for the longest time. I think Pocket Weather started its life as, as Ozweather. So we, we tend to come up with a name, but we tend to quite often change it, you know, before the end. I'm not, well, from my perspective, I don't know, she might feel differently, but I don't get too hung up on that stuff at the start. I, like, it, the project needs to be called something, but, like, I won't spend hours worrying about what the title is. I think Castro was called Supercast for most of his life, which maybe... I'm glad we didn't stick with that name. <laughs> yeah, Tokens was called Code Monkey. I think the project still is called Code Monkey. For others, their approach is intertwined with the development process. And when they have a name they like, they'll do a lot to keep it. I need to have a name immediately. I, I can't do something without a name. I, I, and that's why, that's why some of my projects have such weird names. Because I just like, I got to get a name. And so I get a name like, I usually, usually they just kind of fall out of my head. I'm generally pretty bad at naming things um one of my biggest fears uh if we end up having another child is having to come up with another name for a child because like you gotta, you know you gotta live with that forever they gotta live with that forever like that's that's terrifying to me like picking a name for a person uh, is is just that is my my biggest anxiety <laughs> i think in my life but um an app these names just kind of fall out fall out of my head sometimes like you know, Instapaper, that just kind of fell out of my head one day. Um, the original Overcast prototype was called Castaway. And, uh, and then I, I eventually, I came upon Overcast, and I was like, oh, I, I got a name to product that. And, uh, and that was it. And, and I, I fall in love with the names, usually. And that's why with Overcast, I ended up paying, I think it was $12,000 to license the trademark. I mean. Um, yeah, <laughs> because I couldn't, I, I went through a process of trying to come up with the other names, and I just couldn't, like, every other name I came up with was terrible by comparison. I, I, none of them were nearly as good. So I, I, went, I went to get the one I wanted. I need to, I need to dig into this a little bit. Um, Castaway is not terrible. It's a little sad. It is. Also, I was afraid of the movie trademark. So I assume you were working under the name Castaway for a bit. No, well, I, I, I first made a prototype app that just, like, it would load a file out of its, out of its own application bundle 
Um, I, I baked in like three episodes of like there was like an episode of the talk show, an episode of uh, bit splitting, and I did Uncle Cousins. I didn't start working on the po- like the podcast app that became Overcast is a, is a separately built app that like it just pulls some of the files from that and that's it. Like some of the audio processing codes, none of the interface is shared, none of the resources are shared. I I never worked on that project under a different name than Overcast. That was always called Overcast. Even before I had secured the trademark. I'm not passing judgment because I love the name. But do you think that Overcast the name is worth $12,000? <laughs> I do, yeah. Why? Well, I'm not I'm not in this for the short term. I'm in, I'm in this for the long term. In the long term, names are important and there were just there were so many mediocre names. It ma- and and names matter to me a, a lot. Like that's why that's why I have to work on something with a name. Like I can't work on some nameless project. I, and I that's stupid. I mean, I recognize this is completely stupid, completely counterproductive in so many ways. Totally get that. It's completely right. I agree with that, but too bad. Um <laughs> this is just how I work. And I recognize that if I like when I was coming up with these alternative names, trying to avoid paying a bunch of money for one, uh, I the ones I came up with, I like I didn't want to work on them as much. Like the name turned me off. Like it was like, eh, that's like like one of, one of my top contenders was Monocast. And I'm like, this is just not a great name. Like it was an okay name, but I'm like, do I want to work on Monocast? Like really? Like it was easy. It was, it was available. I even got the dot com, uh, which is very unusual. Uh, I, I was able. It, there were no trademarks anywhere. Like it was, it was clear as day. Twitter was, I believe, easily gettable. Uh, it wasn't available, but like, like I talked to the person, and they were, they were possibly interested in giving it to me, so or selling it to me. So, uh, which, not, which will almost never, almost certainly not happen with Overcast. Um, I tried, but it's that's not going to go anywhere. Um, so, I like, I tried other names. I really wanted them to work, and I just, I didn't love them. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how app names can become household brands and how this little name that you're thinking of, this one idea that you're thinking up and the time that you're putting into it, can end up becoming something that is known by millions of people all around the world. And one company that I want to think about with this is Instagram, because Instagram is a name and that idea, Insta and Gram, they've become like household words and they've been adopted and used by many different types of apps. Instapaper was the first app that I'd ever heard of using the Insta prefix. And then Instagram came later and it kind of took off from there. I'm not saying that one came from another. I have no idea where the idea for the Instagram name came from. It's just interesting that it popped into my head. Instapaper was the first place that I'd heard it. Instagram is a name that has truly become a household brand now. There are now a flurry with apps with Insta in front of them. They could be apps that do completely different things that are just capitalizing on the goodwill and great branding that comes with part of the Instagram brand. Or they could be apps that are trying to identify themselves with the photo sharing service as they're trying to integrate with it in some way. Like imagine Instagallery, for example, that might be an iPad app that shows Instagram photos. This isn't the only example of this happening. This is a pretty regular trend in app development. A suffix or a prefix catches on and gives people the ability to create new, previously unheard names. Suffixes like ers, eo, 
and Lee have seen varying levels of popularity in the past, and in the early 2000s, around the creation of Web 2.0, we saw many companies dropping vowels as a way to create new brand names. Companies like Flickr, Tumblr, and even Twitter, which originally had no IRE in its name, they were just the consonants. One of the big advantages of doing this is it gives you unique names that will help you with searching, branding, and of course, being able to find available domain names. In an app store world, domain names are becoming arguably less pivotal in the decision of the name of your app because people go to the app store, but a web presence is still pretty much expected in case people are googling for you. Instead of trying to find a oneword.com domain, many people these days are using suffixes and prefixes like getblank.com or blankapp.com as a way to get the domain that they need. In my opinion, the app ecosystem has maybe created the only real tangible need for one of these new custom domain options. You may have heard stuff like at diamond, at limo, at coffee. But a .app top-level domain would be fantastic. Instagram.app as a web address seems really cool to me. Now this is a bigger story and a bigger controversy than we need to get into today, but the .app top level domain is now owned by Google and they're actually using it privately. And unfortunately there's no real signs that it's going to be opened up wider. I guess it's just one of those things that we'll need to wait and see on. Now I want to talk about icons and how they are also an incredibly important part of creating the identity of an app. But before I do that, please allow me to take a break here to tell you about our second sponsor of this week's episode. I'm really happy that Campaign Monitor is back to help support us this week. Campaign Monitor are an elegant email marketing service for designers, agencies, and businesses. More than 2 million people at over 120,000 companies around the world love Campaign Monitor for its simple and beautiful user experience, pixel-perfect design, and 24-7 global support. Campaign Monitor's customers love their email building tool. It's called Canvas, and it helps you create elegant, responsive templates that look incredible in all screen sizes. And you can even target your content according to your customers' preferences. Then, once you've sent out your campaigns, you can see how they perform in real time with Worldview. Worldview is this super cool interactive map in which you can see your subscribers pop up as they're interacting with your emails and you can see just where in the world your campaigns are reaching. Campaign Monitor also works amazingly with teams. It's really, really easy to collaborate with your clients or the people that you work with. You can set permissions, rebrand the interface and even manage billing for clients all from within the Campaign Monitor app. If you want to find out more, go check them out right now and sign up for a free account at campaignmonitor.com. Thanks so much to Campaign Monitor for helping support this week and for helping you send beautiful emails so you can get better results. A name gives you something that's easy to reference. Like people, we know many apps by their names. But also like people, apps are much more immediately recognized by their face. For an app, this is its icon. I feel that this part of the process is equally important to naming, but interestingly, the lasting effect of an app's icon could be much greater. It lives on the home screen of users, hopefully for a long time. They'll see it every single day. The funny thing is, I care a lot less about that. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe because... I am not an artist, a uh, graphical artist, so I can't do that myself. Uh, I, I have to have somebody else make me any reasonably good logo or icon. Because um, you see with the early versions of the newspaper icon what happens if I don't. 
<laughs> if, I, if I make it myself, that's what comes out. So that's no good. Um, so, and, and actually, and the vast majority of the icons in Overcast, I've drawn myself. But the actual app icon, the, the, the logo, I, I can't do stuff like that. Like, that's, that's beyond my abilities to do stuff like that. Because uh, that's, that's more complex than just an icon that's like a box with an arrow on it. You know, that's, that's easy for me to do. <laughs> but, uh, so uh, with that, I, I went to Louis Mantia, and uh, I'd worked with him on the magazine. So he's a, he's a fantastic designer and a fantastic icon designer in particular. And so I, I worked with him on that stuff. And, and so I knew he could make icons. So I'm like, hey, uh, I need a podcast icon. What do you think I should do? And he came up with a few ideas and, and you worked back and forth over instant messenger for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. And then that came out and it was great. And I'm like, all right, sold, done. I hope I never have to change it because I mean, I'll, I'll go back to Louie, but, you know, I, I'm fine with keeping this one forever. It's really nice to have an icon. I like that, but I don't feel like you have to have it at the start. Yeah. In both cases for Castro and tokens, the, I can't remember when it was for tokens actually, but. Oh no! It was yeah. It was also quite late in the process. The icon for Castro was very, very late in the process. Everybody has processes for the things that they do, and it's no different for app developers. Anyone that has had success or has been able to accomplish a project will have established their own process. This will be built atop previous experiences and will be guided by mistakes previously made. The order in which people do things is personal. It's all about what is most logical for them. Matt Bischoff had told me that he is perfectly happy with working on a project without deciding on a name for it up front. I asked him if the same thinking applied for icon design. Oh, no, that, that's, much, that's much less important. Um, we tend to, I tend to work, a, just drop into Sketch and make a placeholder icon. So generally what we want it to look like for velocity, it's, it's a speedometer and it's on an orange background. We ended up going with a red background, but it looks somewhat like the icon. It's not the right proportions. It's not as beautiful, but it's something that we can develop against because developing against a white icon is uh, it's that you'll be demoralized in days. You're like, why do I keep tapping this white icon? It's so boring. Um, but uh, yeah, we tend to do the icon in the, la- the last phase, you know, when we're getting all the marketing stuff together. We'll, we'll work with an, a, a great icon designer. None of us are amazing icon designers. The guys at Icon Factory, Pacific Helm, all incredible. And, and you know, we'll work with someone like that. One thing that I found really interesting when conducting these interviews is that on the whole, the developers that I spoke to would not attempt to design their final icons themselves. As Matt and Marco mentioned, they would contact companies that specialised in this kind of thing to make sure that they got it just right. They didn't go ahead and fire up Photoshop and take a real crack at it themselves. Now this isn't the same for the naming of their products. Nobody that I spoke to had hired a naming or branding services company to help them brainstorm some ideas before landing on that perfect name. They all just worked on ideas that they had themselves before landing on what they felt was just right. Now, just before we finish up today's episode, our friends at Cards Against Humanity have interviewed another fantastic game developer, and I want you to hear that story now. Pivot is a thrilling game of strategic avoidance. Basically, you are a ball connected to a line, and you... um, you can rotate around the line, uh, around the pivot point, and as you move along the line, you try to uh, avoid obstacles coming along the path. And that's about it. It's a pretty minimalistic game, but at the same time, it's extremely hard. I feel like most games 
that are really hard are also really intense and anxiety producing and stressful. Like Pivot, you know, the music is intense, there's constant beat and there's all these shapes coming at you. Whereas with my new game, it's more of a relaxing setting, peaceful music, piano music in the background, but at the same time, it's really, really hard. Um, so I don't know, I, I think mainly the reason I like making card games is, yeah, like, because I like to play them. <laughs> I'm Whitaker Trebella. You can find me at uh, on Twitter, at WTrebella. The identity of an app is closely tied to its success. It's how we reference them to each other. It's how we find them. They can become a phenomenon, creating categories like Instagram, or explain what they do exactly like RunKeeper. When many people set out to create their app's identity, they are likely unaware of the mark that they could potentially be leaving. They could be creating something that means an awful lot to a small group of people, or something that becomes a cultural phenomenon. An app's name and icon can play a pivotal part in all of this. A great brand can really help an app succeed, and whatever you choose is going to follow you around for some time. Next week, we're going to start looking at the run-up to launch. Imagine that at this point in our series... You understand the business model you're targeting, you've got your idea down, and your app is ready, your icon is looking great. At this point, you're leading up to launch day. Next time, we're going to talk to some developers who are seasoned in this process, and also talk to some that are actually only a day or two away from releasing their app to the world. That's next time on Inquisitive. Inquisitive is a production of Relay FM. You can find show notes and links for this episode over at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 33. Inquisitive is produced by Stephen Hackett, Adina Namsu, and me. Marco Savage is our editorial advisor. Huge thanks to everyone who has provided their time and feedback to help this series get off the ground. The music you've heard in this episode was created and provided by Brave Wave Productions. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and tell your friends or rate us on iTunes. Support for this episode comes from lynda.com, Cards Against Humanity, and Campaign Monitor. You can find out more about this show and all of our shows at Relay FM by visiting relay.fm. I am Mike Hurley, at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>